0: Good morning, Sharon.
1: Good morning, how
0: are you? I'm fine, and you? Oh, stunning,
1: thank you.
0: All right. Um, let us just start by saying thank you very much for joining me. I was filled with such anxiety, not knowing whether you're going to a response or not. Oh, no, of
1: course, only a pleasure.
0: All right. So ladies and gentlemen, guys and girls, welcome to another installment of Conversations with Lalevan. Um Today I'll be in conversation with Sharon Gordon the CEO of Dignity Dreams and she is no stranger to dissecting all things sex and sexuality having served at South African Sexology Board. I think what brought this conversation was because I remember Jada Pinkett Smith once announced on her Red Table show that her grandmother taught her how to please herself at an impressionable age of nine. And this made me wonder how the rest of the world handles the delicate bits and pieces and excruciating deliberation be having before having dead talk, that is sex talk. So Sharon, I know a lot of people are going to find this Quiet, uh, making them feel like uh, cringe wealthy <laughs> I'm,
1: sure I'm sure they will because you know what? It's um, sex is the antithesis of sport. So in South Africa, mm-hmm. um, in South Africa, we play rugby, and so yes. everybody talks about rugby, but nobody plays. Sex, we all have sex but nobody talks so you know we've got to start the conversation so thank you for being brave enough
0: okay so before we actually get to talk about it COVID-19 found us at a time when we never expected it so i want to know how have you been coping mentally and how has this affected your projects
1: It's quite interesting because my life hasn't changed remarkably because I do work from home. So, you know, being in lockdown was fine with me. What it has affected is um, on the Dignity Dream side, which is an NPO that manufactures and distributes pads, washable pads. It's affected our donor base because obviously all the um, donations are now going to food parcels and the solidarity fund. So that that has affected us quite severely. Um, When you talk about how has it affected me mentally, I find it quite strange that it has affected me mentally because I'm having very strange dreams and my levels of anxiety are up. And I think it's because we fear, um, what's going to happen in the future. How are we going to survive this? How are our children going to face the future? So, um, and the way I manage it is now, fortunately we can go walking. So I go walking with my, you know, my mask and my, um, my preparations and off I go. So that's kind of how I'm coping mentally at this stage
0: all right because i think it is the fear of the unknown we are all wondering what's next how are we going to make it out of this situation alive um the job losses how are we going to recover the economy and for me i'm not even sure if i should be sharing how i'm coping because in algeria i think it's the third month of the lockdown but we have eased up the levels i think we are in level four advanced and the first month and the first month I was I was flirting every single day I needed to find someone new to flirt with yeah and that's basically how I I was surviving um, Sharon you did mention that Dignity Dreams does produce um, washable pads for the ladies And I think one thing that stood out for me was knowing that one Washable Dignity Dream Pad equals 144 disposable pads. Isn't that amazing on how you are doing things that are eco-friendly?
1: Yeah, look, we're very excited about it. And all we now have to do is change the hearts and minds of users.
0: Amazing, because I think one thing that still is not easily accessible and not well known in the rural areas is the use of washable pads and perhaps even a, a menstrual cup. Do you think people are even aware of the existence of a menstrual cup? I
1: think that it depends on where you are. So mm-hmm. in South Africa, people are aware of it but still skeptical of it um and it works very well in um urban areas you know when you've got your bathroom attached to your bedroom and all yes. the rest of it the yes. menstrual cup is not so sexy when you're using a pit toilet because if it falls down the pit toilet you've got a bit of a problem um yes. we certainly talk about it when we do our education programs because that ultimately is the a sustainable solution um, in our demographic, because we deal with little girls, so sort of from the age of nine to fifteen-ish, um, they're quite reluctant to put a menstrual cup up their vaginas. So that's where the washable pads um, are more significant. So, so but we but we talk about both because we do have to start thinking about being eco-friendly and sustainable. Because if you think about it right now, you're sitting in Algeria, I'm sitting in South Africa. On the African continent right now, this very second, 53 million women are bleeding. Mm, mm. That's a lot of pads.
0: Yes. Um, I think also the reluctancy to use the menstrual carbs, it comes from a cultural background. You know how it is said to be breaking the human, then it will make you not be a virgin. No one will want to marry a woman who's not a virgin, etc. And I find that so stereotypic and our people need to be taught these things.
1: Absolutely. But you know, um, breaking the hymen and and, um, your virginity loss, you know, that opens a whole new debate about whether that should still be valued in the 21st century.
0: Yes, I feel like it was a societal construct that was made to just govern how women should perhaps behave and it is really not making sense
1: absolutely you know we still live in 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 very deep dark patriarchy so um that that whole version of you've got to maintain your virginity and your purity and all that is is very patriarchal because what it does is it it convinces women that they have got to be pure and and virginal but men can behave badly and i want to know who all these men are having sex with if all these girls are virginal and and pure
0: exactly exactly nobody ever makes a body count for the men it's always about the women
1: yeah look i mean we can have a debate about that forever um yeah i have uh, i had a whole house full of all my children are in their twenties so this weekend we had a house full of teenage well I call them teenagers but they're in their twenties and that was (laughs) one of the conversations that we had over the weekend was you know the difference between how girls who are sexually adventurous and experimental are regarded versus boys who have Mm. the same thing and even here I mean and it, it blows my mind that in the 21st century we still have having these discussions I
0: mean really yes because it seems like having a healthy sexual appetite as a woman it seems like an abomination
1: well it isn't so let's 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 just put that to bed it really isn't we have as much right to great sex as anybody else
0: Amen to that. You are my kind of woman. So in your your work, you also take in consideration a boy child. Is this perhaps to enlighten them about the female sexual health, as well as maybe instilling empathy in them? Look, I
1: think that because we live in such patriarchal societies, that unless we make men part of the conversation, we're not going to have the conversation. So. So we need to understand that um, we've got to start changing hearts and minds, and the easiest way to do that is to actually um, invite men into the conversation. Because at the end of the day, I think that men are being undermined and being, their role in society is, is, they also, so the world is shifting. And I think that they find themselves on shifting ground and they don't quite know where they fit in, what their role is. You know, when my mother was young, it was very easy. Men men worked and women raised children. Then my mother's generation came along and men still worked and women worked to help out the men to make ends meet. Now my generation and certainly my children's generation women work and men don't quite know whether they have to work anymore and because they don't quite know their masculinity is undermined and so they become far more aggressive about their place in the world so i do think that we need to have these conversations and with them and say by giving me power doesn't mean you have less It's Mm, it's not a pie. mm. We're not sharing the pie here. We are sharing experiences and the future. And if you allow me to be empowered, I can assist you in being empowered and, and attaining your dreams. by by me attaining my dreams don't undermine you attaining your dreams and i think that that's something that we need to talk about because we don't want to because we're so scared we're going to hurt their little egos um and 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 we really should be having those
0: conversations yes i understand you and I, i want to know when do you think is the right time start having the sex talk with children because i remember with myself i'm in my twin but my mother never never had a sex talk with me and my father never had a sex talk with me but surprisingly you'll find that it is it is what seems to be happening and when you are aging they be like they want grandchildren but they never told you about sex so where do you get this grandchildren from
1: Okay, so my attitude is, is that you you never have to have the sex talk because you should be talking to your children about sex the minute they pop out of your vagina. It should not yes. be a conversation. It is part of life. You teach your children how mm-hmm. to use the knife and fork. You teach them how to go to the toilet. You teach them how to brush their teeth. You teach them how to say please and thank you. And you should be talking about sex as a normal bodily function a penis must be a penis a vagina must be a vagina your, and your children will ask so you know one of the things that freaks me out is when people you know a child comes to let's say they're five or six or they four maybe now and they come to mm-hmm. you and say where do babies come from and you tell them yeah. they come from the <laughs> supermarket you know they, they're walking around the supermarket looking for the baby aisle So you have got to be, you cannot lie because if you lie, you lose credibility. So why will your child then believe you or trust you enough to ask you the next question? So when your four-year-old comes to you and says, where do babies come from? You say, my darling, normally they come from a man and a woman having sex. Chances are that Mm -hmm. child is not going to ask you what sex is yet. But if they do and they ask the follow-up question, which is mom, what is sex or dad, what is sex? The answer is, my darling, it's when a penis goes into a vagina and semen is released into the vagina. That will create a baby. How hard is that to say? But no, we've got to lie and we've got to talk about willies and flowers and birds and bees. And that child is so... But now that four-year-old knows exactly what a penis is, knows exactly what a vagina is. The next question will be, what is semen? But at four, they're not going to ask that. They're going to leave that question for later. But because you've been open and honest, in two years' time, they're going to come back and say, you know, Mom, you said that the penis goes into the vagina and releases sperm. What is sperm? And you can say, my darling, that's the liquid that comes out of a man's penis. Yes. Because it's true. It's not a lie. It's true. It's a bodily function. Why are we lying about nonsense?
0: You you know what? I, I think in the black society as a whole, it has been constructed to be quite a conservative society. And that has made it very difficult for parents to kind of engage their children on sex and sexuality but i understand where you are coming from and i think this this helps to this helps to bring to strike a balance between sex talk and abuse linkage because somehow if your child now knows their body parts that this is a vagina this is a penis and this is how it operates so if someone touches me or does this to me then i know i'm being violated and i think it's a very great initiative that should be taken at a very early stage as you say right after birth i i agree with you i mean if our children
1: specifically our girls if our girls just understood body parts and they understood what the body is meant to do. So one of the biggest violations against little girls is that it feels nice. Okay. It's meant Mm -hmm. to feel nice. You are not a slut or a whore or a bad girl if it feels nice because it was made to feel nice. So, that Mm. feel-nice is used against you. So, when you're in an abusive situation and some older man or same-age man touches you and it feels nice and you lubricate, he says, Oh, you see? You're a wicked girl. You want this, don't you? Because you like it. And then you are so shamed that you keep quiet whereas if your little girl knew that that is exactly what her body was meant to do that it was meant to feel nice that she is meant to lubricate she can turn around and say no jana my body's meant to do this it's you who is shameful for doing it to me and i'm going to go and tell my dad and then you'll see how quickly it will stop. But because yes. we don't know what our yes. body's supposed to do, we are so easily shamed into that abusive situation and shamed into being quiet.
0: Yes, that is very much true. And I remember watching one of your interviews, where you said um, you were at a cinema with your mother and a boy sitting next to you touched you and you felt so Absolutely. excited but now I not imagine knowing that that, that actually that was supposed, was supposed to, happen. to
1: happen so when he then says to her, come let's have sex you can go no you're not you're not that exciting i know what that feeling is and i can give it to myself i don't need you to give it to me
0: Yes, yes, because now they are sexually liberated and in tune with their bodies. How to
1: pleasure themselves and understanding their bodies does not increase their promiscuity. Because that's the the thing that gets thrown at me all the time. If you teach girls how to touch themselves, they're going to go out and have sex. And I'm going, you're wrong. They're not going to go out and have sex. They're going to stay home and please themselves and their sex with other inappropriate men is going to reduce because they know what they want.
0: Yes, they know what their body responds to and they know what makes them happy. Yes. Uh, so, in your the line sexual? of work, what are the sexual myths that you have had? Oh, myths, okay. The sexual so, myths that you have had.
1: Uh, the biggest one is, you can't fall pregnant the first time you have sex. Yeah. In the 21st century. In the 21st oh, century, uh, girls still believe you know that, one. that they can't <laughs> fall pregnant the first time they have sex. Well, yes, the good news, girls you can so unless you are absolutely taking precautions if you are taking some form of contraception or if he's wearing a condom or you wearing a condom you absolutely can fall pregnant the second one is is that if you masturbate you are going to hell you are it is the ultimate sin i have got to tell you that it is not a sin. And if you want to (laughs) challenge me on the Bible about it, please be my guest. Because go and read the Uh section that the churches throw at us and say masturbation is a sin because the spilling of seed is a sin. Go and read Genesis 36 and then come and tell me that the sin was masturbation and the spilling of seed. It was the failure of them to um, look after women in terms of levirate law and I will go to the barriers to challenge the churches on their interpretation because it has nothing to do with masturbation in fact there was no masturbation in that story at all nobody was touching their genitals they were having full on sex and then in
0: And, and and you know what? I think one thing that always boggles my mind is how, whenever we're having sex talk, whether it's about sex or is about sexuality, people always find the need to bring around the biblical scriptures to be like the Bible says one, two, and three. But when we talk about other things well, like look, my big thing is they I keep quiet. The they don't bring about the Bible. Every
1: listener you've got.
0: Just remember that if you want to if you want to
1: quote the scriptures to me as yes. being this is how it must be, then please understand that in terms of Leviticus, I am also allowed to have ten slaves because that's what the Bible says. So um, you know, let's um, be very careful when we when we um, quote scripture because you can't pick and choose. You can't say I'm not allowed to have slaves, but I'm not allowed to masturbate. you know but, but you must pick aren't allowed to have both or neither.
0: Yes, yes
1: yeah. you can' you can't judge me on my sexuality
0: that you can't do. um You know when we talk of sexuality every time, There'll be that line of Sodom and Gomorrah and I'm like, yeah, oh no, my God goodness, God, not again, goodness, not again, not again.
1: the next time somebody raises Sodom and Gomorrah with you, to shut them up immediately, you just say, and I'm allowed to have 10 slaves. And if they are not married, I'm allowed to have sex with them. Go and look it up. It says so
0: in the Bible. And that shuts them up. Thank you. Seconds. Thank you so much. And, and speaking of sexuality, when you're working with children, do you ever raise it up as to how they should know who they identify as in case you realize that this one seems a bit indifferent? I, I'm very reluctant, actually, to use the word indifferent because I think we have to normalize yeah, you know, look, the different not, sexualities it's really that people not have. My
1: area of expertise, you know, what is your pronoun? He, she, they, those, you know, the, the, those kind of mm-hmm. things, those conversations. Kind of I'm a bit old for that. You know, when I was growing up, you were a he or a she. That was that was the that was what you were. I do understand that there's this whole range of people in between. And i do believe that there's a very big difference between sexuality and gender so i understand the concept of it we don't really talk about it because we don't get permission to talk about it i would love to have that conversation but when we're in schools we have very strong parameters around which we allow to speak so how we do get around it yeah, it's when we are in school, yes, we yes, allow them to ask any question they want. And it's written on a piece of paper, so it's completely anonymous. And sometimes we get those questions. Oh, no. And our response, well, my response to it is, I'm not an expert. In my belief structure, you can be whoever you want to be. You can identify any way you want to identify just don't put yourself in harm's way that's that's all you've got Um. to do is is you can't put yourself in harm's way and it depends on which culture you're in you know so for instance i'm a white jewish south african and we're a lot more tolerant i think than most people in terms of and and i say that as i say hear myself saying that that's rubbish because at the end of the day um you know uh, the, 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 the very conservative jews are some of the most judgmental people that you can ever meet so uh, so maybe i should take that back so but in 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 my mm-hmm. world i'm very accepting of whoever you want to be if you want to be they and those and that's fine by me but i i i can't speak to it because i don't have um, the qualifications for it
0: All right. Let us rewind a bit. Um, We were talking about the menstruation, and you know there's a stigma around it. What do you think brings about it, and how can that be deconstructed? I think that
1: if you open the conversation, if you start normalizing it, so if you normalize sex, you normalize menstruation, Um, I don't know one woman, honestly, who celebrates her menstruation. Everybody sees it as, ugh, it's that time of the month. My auntie Flo is visiting. Ugh, it's my monthly curse. And that comes from our own words. We are saying those things, not somebody else. We are saying it to ourselves. Mm. So, I think that if we can change the conversation, so when a little girl is, is being, um, as she's growing up, she's spoken to about what, what menstruation is, that it's going to be this monthly um, blessing, the celebration that is going to happen. Because, let's face it, A, it's natural, and B, without it, the human race doesn't exist. So, why is it considered a curse? And why is it considered dirty? And of course, we come back to the Bible because, you know, that's what Leviticus says. So, you know, but but we have to change the narrative. And the only people who can change it are women who change. And if you have a little girl that she is raised in the celebration of menstruation and not the curse of menstruation.
0: yes we have to change the narrative we have to find a way of making it become a norm and be accepted and understood so that the next generation does not really enjoy what this generation is experiencing in my
1: house obviously sex and menstruation is spoken about all the time Um, i only have sons so it's been a very interesting journey with just boys in the house and what's wonderful so and so what's wonderful about it is is that they're all in their twenties so wow. they're all dating girls and there are lots of girls in this house every now and then and you know. And it what's really interesting is that my sons will come to me and say, mm-hmm. Oh, um, let's say her name is Jane. Jane has started her period mom. Have you got any product here? They are quite comfortable with it. They know where to find it. They know it's that you know there's there's washable pads in the office. There's tampons in the you know in a box. There's um, there's menstrual cups in the cupboard. You know, so they will come and the 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 girls are more embarrassed than they are, and that's only because they've been raised in my house where this is a normal bodily function. It's like coming into my room and saying, "Mom, have you got toilet paper?"
0: Yes, and and I think listening to you now and listening to how you describe your relationship with your sons, I feel like that is what most of us long for. We long for a relationship with parents where we can be at our own comfort zone, where we can be open about almost everything and uh, so that we can so that we can stop, you know, picking things up from the school yeah, playground but it starts and with you. hearing one, two and You three. have
1: got to be comfortable with yourself and you have got to be comfortable with the discussions and you have got to be honest with them. Mm-hmm. Because the, the second you lie about anything to your child, you have lost credibility. Think about how you feel when somebody lies to you. And it's not even conscious, it's subconscious. So if you have said to your child, no, a stalk brings you or I bought you at the supermarket and they then find out about sex from their mate on the playground, subconsciously they know you've lied to them. So why must they trust you? You can't lie. You have got to be honest. If you Uh, want a relationship uh. with your child, you have to be honest. And you know what, that first discussion, make no mistake, that first discussion with my child was very hard because I also grew up. I don't think my mother ever had a conversation about sex with me. I learned about menstruation from my biggest sister. So it's not like we were open and honest in our house. So I come from exactly the same background as everybody else. I Mm. just decided that my children weren't going to grow up in the dark. They were going to know about everything because there's nothing to be ashamed of. But that doesn't mean that that first conversation wasn't really awkward and very difficult. Um, And let me just tell you that if you can, have that conversation in the car because then you don't have to look at them, you have to keep your eyes on the road. (laughs) (laughs)
0: So it makes it much easier. Oh, what a strategy! (laughs) Um, Speaking of which, I I, I remember having a chat with a circle of friends of mine, and we are all in our twenties, and I was telling them that I have really not had a sexual experience. Perhaps a kiss, which I really would not consider a kiss because that person betrayed me. They knew ah, nothing. If we say it was bad kiss, then it was. And I said to them, you know what? Sex is not a, it's not a prescription. We all have a different time frame of when we feel comfortable, when we want to engage and etc. And some of the conversations that rise from it would be that I feel like initiating sex as a woman again you fall a into bit the difficult. patriarchy trap
1: because why why is talking about sex difficult with your partner surely what you want is important in fact it's more important in my opinion than his because men's sexual satisfaction is fairly easy for women it's a lot more complicated so if you're able to in your relationship say no 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 a little bit to the left a little bit right faster slower I don't feel like it tonight. Tonight I feel like it up against the bed or whatever. Why not? Why not? Why must yes. you come yes. second to excuse the fun? But it's 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 one of those things that you have got to um, you've got to step into your own power. And let me tell you, sex is a team sport. Unless your partner knows what you want, he's fumbling in the dark because nobody taught him how to have sex. He learned to have sex from porn. And porn sex is not proper sex. Yes. Porn sex is all for the camera. You know, in porn sex, the harder you bang, the easier it looks. It's got nothing to do yes. with the harder you yes. bang. It's got to do with the motion of the ocean, you know, because most of us are clit girls. We orgasm from clitoral stimulation, not from penetration.
0: Yeah. And, and, and I think porn as well as the media as a whole has kind of made people believe that what they see is what makes good sex. For example, the wine, the R&B music in the background, the candles, the fireplace. P- when people see that, they think well, sex is going to be viral. I first <laughs>
1: sexual experience was wonderful. Um, maybe mine. But but man, you know, was two years in preparation. I'd been dating him for a long time. We'd planned that we were going to have sex. I went on the pill. You know, we'd had very heavy petting up till then, so we kind of knew what we were looking mm. for. But I just think that that first sexual experience is 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 always a little bit messy, you know. It's, it's and it and it never happens in front of a fireplace with candles and R and B music playing in the background. That I can promise you. So yeah, so yeah. I, I do think that, that our expectations are so different, whereas if we were just talking about it and we were talking about sex, um, you know, as, as, as we would, you know, are you going to shave your legs today, um, then, then, you know, we would, we would have, first of all, we'd have much better sex and we'd have far less um, complications and contradictions and guilt and fear and and sex would be a pleasure because i think that that's the one thing we forget is sex is pleasurable it's not just meant for procreation it is also meant for recreation
0: yes, yes. and i think one other important aspect in relationships as well is most likely to have a pre and post sex talk to be like this is how i prefer things done let us work towards this and after they did you kind of be like um i didn't like one two three can we improvise here and there because i feel like communication is the most important thing in so i always say to couples
1: when i'm talking to them is you must listen for what i call the dolphin Okay, and people look at me with a blank look and go, what do you mean? I said, when she she or he is going, "Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm," that means no, you're in the wrong place, I'm not enjoying it. So, you know, you've also got to communicate and you don't have to use words. It's nicer if you use words because there's far less um, chance of misunderstanding, but you know you can groan in pleasure and you can also make a dolphin sound when you don't want it to continue you know and i do think one of the things um that we learned from that book 50 shades of gray was the fact that if you have if you have safe words so yes. if you decide that your safe words are going to be red orange and green red means stop immediately not just now not now now immediately because then we maintain the trust. Orange is, you know, I'm not sure I'm enjoying this. same, but let's carry on a little bit more and then we'll see from there. And green is, let's go for it. I'm having fun. And isn't that just such an easy way to communicate yes. and to um, indicate what you find in pleasurable and what you're not finding pleasurable? I don't know why they make it so complicated. It really, it
0: really is. it really is the simplest way ever and you know what Uh, I'm very thankful that we had this conversation and I feel like anyone who's going to listen to this podcast is going to come back to me and be like how could you It, it kind of went for such a short period of time but I learned so much from you and I'm very grateful that you honored the invitation and may you Carry on doing the good work that you do with the girls. May your organization grow from strength to strength, and I wish you all the best that life could offer to you. You are such a pleasure to have a conversation with Sharon. um, Do a little
1: punt for my YouTube channel on your podcast. Thank you. So, if all your listeners, please, 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 very big, please go and um, subscribe to my YouTube channel. If you look it up, it's, you just look up Sharon Gordon um, Lola Montez, and you'll see a picture of a woman sitting in black, staring the camera down. That's it. And it it deals with, um, it's got some some videos that you can watch. It deals with communication and all that sort of stuff. So, um, you know, go please go and subscribe to it because as you know, we all need to stay in business, and that's one of the ways in which we get it done. And if possible, if I could have a recording of this, yes. and then we can pop it up into the same channel.
0: All right, I'll send it to you. And, Sharon, if I may ask, um, how can people who want to make donations to Dream to Dignity all right, Dreams so it's very actually get in touch go with to you? The
1: dignity dreams with the sdignitydreams.com website and there's a, a tab which says how to help and there a variety of different ways you can donate to us.
0: All right thank you very much for having joined me Sharon uh, this is a beautiful conversation and I, I honestly oh, can't wait I'm for excited. the feedback from the people. <laughs> thank you bye. Right. Have a good day i